Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of the Villa Society podcast, where we analyse the latest fixtures featuring Aston Villa and discuss the key moments that influence the game. I'm your host, Paul James, and today we're going to be talking about the 1-0 defeat to Wolves at Molyneux. But before we start, as always, it'd be awesome if you could follow, subscribe or share this podcast. And if you could give us a review, that would be amazing as well. It really helps us to get more exposure and to be able to create more content. So if you could do that, that'd be brilliant. Thank you for anyone who does. So today's episode, we're going to be looking at the Aston Villa game against Wolves, where we went away with a 1-0 defeat from Molyneux. Overall, I think Villa played quite well. I think we dominated large parts of this game and we also had like really serious spells of pressure. We just really struggled to create cutting edge chances or those those chances we did have, the two or three chances we did have, we just didn't make the most of them. We were undone early on by a corner, a header from a corner on nine minutes. It was a well-taken header. Martinez had no chance. McGinn was kind of grappling with some of the players on the edge of the box near that penalty spot. And I think we thought the danger was there, but Toti managed to get away from Ramsey uh, towards the back post and he put a powerful header past Martinez and it's 1-0 to Wolves. And at this stage, Wolves hadn't done much in the game. So it was just, we were undone by a set piece. In this game, Watkins again, didn't really have any clear-cut chances. We didn't see any runs runs in behind like we did against Newcastle, that kind of thing. He had some chances where he created some space for himself and had a shot. And he had a great header at one stage, which was a good opportunity. He got a lot of power behind the header, but unfortunately, we was straight at the side. He didn't like angle it into the corner, so that was disappointing. We Overall, we dominated the possession. We controlled the game. It's just the set piece that's really undone us. We had um, Triori came into the team on the wing and he had a really poor first half, kept losing the ball and didn't really create much. And he was pulled at half-time and put, Bailey was put on. So the second half was quite disappointing as well because it's quite stop-start and hard to get any momentum in the game. It's It was just frustrating because Wolves were slowing the game down, taking the time with throw-ins and corners and free kicks and injuries and that kind of stuff. So it was a difficult second half. We weren't really clinical enough. Maybe someone like Cameron Archer in that box may have been useful in this game, but obviously still out on loan. So that could have helped. But in the end, we couldn't make an impact in that final third and went away with a defeat. So let's have a look at the stats around this game in Stats Blast. So Wolves, five 1-0 wins in the Premier League this season. They've kept nine clean sheets at home, and this was the 10th. Villa have conceded nine goals from corners. 38% possession to Wolves in this game and 62% possession to Villa. Wolves had an XG of 0.76 and Villa had an XG of 1.48, so we were kind of unlucky to score if you're looking at those stats there's six shots on target for Wolves um sorry six shots in total and two on target Villa had 16 shots quite a lot and three on target so not enough on target there really for Villa both teams come off the back of defeats Villa against United and Wolves with a a 6-0 thrashing at Brighton and today Traore started on the right with uh, Ramsey on the left McGinn slotted into the pivot with Louise we had Diego Carlos Kamara and Coutinho on the bench so it was good to see all these players coming back from injury and also Matty Cash as well there Um, so yeah we're getting a bit stronger in terms of strength and depth so that's good going into the last three games of the season and it was good to see some of those players get some time on the pitch as well this week so for those you who've listened to other episodes of this podcast you know i like to highlight a few key aspects of the game rather than running through the game in chronological order so this week we're going to be looking at the key aspects of the game that i noticed possession football composure at the back and diego carlos and toothless attack 
So possession football, I wanted to focus a little bit on Villa under Emery and how under a short space of time he's turned us into a possession-based team. It's kind of really weird to watch Villa now as over the years we've had different managers like Dean Smith, Lambert, even Martin O'Neill and we were never really like a team that dominated possession and kept the ball that well. We'd often get the ball and be under, under pressure and we'd panic and give the ball away, maybe play the long ball, if in doubt hit it out kind of football, like a bit old-fashioned or play on the counter-attack where we'd often give the ball away quite easily. So it's quite amazing just to see us play football and play possession-based football where we're passing it around the back, we're building up possession and play. And I think we're just lacking a bit of cutting edge in this game. But it was really, really good to see our possession and the control of the game. And I think if you listen to Emery after the game, I think he was really pleased um, with how we controlled the game and how we had possession. I think he was especially happy about that first half, how we dominated possession and had really good spells of possession as well. I think it wasn't perfect. Obviously, we didn't win the game, but I think that's one aspect that we're getting better at. Even before the game, there's a Sky Sports interview with John McGinn. It was really interesting because he was talking about how under Emery, he's playing different to how he's being brought up in Scotland, being told how to play, where in Scotland, you're told to kind of not take too many touches on the ball and kind of get rid of the ball after after a short space of time. But under Emery, he's encouraged to trust his own abilities, take a little bit more time on the ball if it's the right situation. So you see this in the game where like McGinn or other players, they, they're trusting their abilities a bit more and they look more confident. So they're maybe taking on a player, pushing the ball past the player and then releasing the ball so it's a big way a big change for all our players and it's a big change in the way we play and if you put it into perspective how we were at the beginning of the season under Gerard, this is huge progress and in a short space of time so i think if we take a step back and appreciate how now we're going to mid-table sides like wolves and expecting to win being the better team and controlling the game and that's a huge step up from where we were where we go to these teams and we would maybe play on the counter attack and and not dominate the game i mean this is a game we had 62 possession and Wolves had 38. So this leads me on to the other aspect of the game, composure at the back and Diego Carlos. So a big part of Villa's game under Emery is playing out from the back and it's a big part of what helps us keep possession and control the game. Wolves kind of pressed us quite well from the front and really put pressure on our defenders. We cope with it quite well, occasionally giving the ball away, but it seems like Emery's enforcing this style of play on us and he's been doing it since day one. And it gives our players a chance to learn and get more experience and be more comfortable on the ball. So with each game, we're getting a little bit better, a bit more experienced at doing this. And I think it's really going to help for next season. I think if you look at us and how far we've come playing around the back with the ball, it's it's, it's good progress. Progress. I think Emery sees this as a great opportunity to improve the style of play and hopefully next season we'll complete at a top level. If you watch a team like Brighton, for example, they're extremely good at playing it out from the back and it's a key aspect of why they've made so much progress this season and they're such a good team. It's also interesting to see that Emery's given our centre-backs a licence to roam forward at times. You'll see Mings break the lines and beat a player and run into the into their halfway often you don't see centre-backs do that but in modern football you do so it's great to see us doing that and you see Mings get past the man play a ball and then he continues running to the box as well so he's going there and he's trying to attack as well you really wouldn't have seen this under Gerard. we saw Diego Carlos return on 65 minutes and you can see pretty instantly what he brings to the team. He came on for Ashley Young and his composure and quality on the ball and his passing was breathtaking. 
one point he just picked up the ball and sprayed it nonchalantly right across the pitch to the feet of Moreno. And it was just, you could see see the quality in how he can play the ball around. And it's it's not something that Mings or Konza really has. Sometimes Mings can pick a pass out, maybe to Ollie Watkins or Crossfield, but it's not as easy. You can see like Palace's top quality. You can see that this is going to bring an extra dimension to us next season. Uh, his, his passing was just another level above and you could see that straight away. So on to the third and final aspect of this game, the toothless attack. So it's a pretty frustrating afternoon of football for Aston Villa. We played well and we had really good spells of momentum in that first half and some in the second half. But Wolves did really well to kind of waste time. They broke up the flow of the game a lot, which meant we struggled to get the full momentum and force to get that equaliser. I think in the Premier League as well, I think they need to change some of the rules around wasting time. Like... You'll see players pick up the ball for a throw-in and then they'll throw it to another player to take the throw-in and then he'll throw it to another player to take the throw-in. I think they need to bring in some rules like you can only give it to one man. You can only give it to the next player. Same with corners and also, you know, rolling around, pretending you're injured just to break up the flow of the game. It's so frustrating to watch. And I know Villa do it as well, but it just breaks up the play. It's not entertaining. And I know it's a strategy to win the game, but wouldn't you rather watch a game of free-flowing football where this doesn't happen? I was also really surprised with the three minutes of injury time that was put up on the board. I'm pretty sure there was at least two stoppages for head injuries in that half. So, so surprised how little time they added on. Three minutes is nothing really. And also the handball decision today. I don't understand what's handball and what's not anymore because you'll see top six sides get away with handball decisions or they'll get handball decisions for them as well. And this clearly hits his arm. Whether or not he knew much about it, I don't know. But I'd love the referees to come out and explain why they made decisions like this and what rule they've used to make that decision. Perhaps we could have, you know, hear the discussion with VAR like we do in rugby where you can see why they've made the decision and it's clear and obvious to everyone around, the players and everyone watching, why it's been made. We don't even get this after the game, so it's pretty frustrating when you're watching a, a game not to know why he's given a certain decision. Watkins had a few attempts in this game. Decent header that went straight at Saar, I think. Put a lot of power behind the header. It was a good header. He was kind of free in the box. I think he, he's just going for power there. He just doesn't get any kind of angle on it to put it in the bottom corner. And it's straight at Saar. I think he was disappointed with that. It was pretty much a half chance, a decent chance, but not a clean through one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper type of chance. But fair play for, to Wolves for keeping Watkins quite quiet in this game. And they defended in numbers and they did a good job of nullifying a lot of our threat going forward. They got men behind the ball and, and blocked a lot of our shots or just, you know, were there when we were trying to pull the trigger on shots. Buendia had a great game. He was busy. He was buzzing around a lot. Some neat little passes and trying to make something happen, which is important, I think. And a lot of people have been on Buendia's back recently and I think he's a bit unjustified. I think he didn't have a great game in the last game, but I think today he was energetic. He was all over the place trying to make things happen. I think he just needs to take it up a little bit of a level and, and find that clinical finishing or clinic in, clinical touch. You saw he had a really, really good shot in that first half as well. He like outside the boot, trying to put it in that bottom left-hand corner. But Saar kind of saved it, put it out for a corner. It was heading inside the the, the, the inside of the post, but oh, it just it was just very unlucky. I think he had a bit more power and it would may have gone in. Priori got a start in this game as well, but didn't play well at all, giving away possession and not creating much either. So an off game for him and he was pulled at half time. Bailey was put on in his place and I think 
Bailey did a little bit better. He's winning free kicks, taking on opponents down that wing. He's trying to make stuff happen. Again, he was a little bit frustrating giving the ball away as well. And and he, he had a good game, but not, not an amazing game. He came on and tried to make stuff happen. I think we could have found him a bit more often down that right-hand side as well. When, when you watch it on TV, you could see how much space he had down the right-hand side and he was open there for the pass, but it wasn't given to him. Sometimes it came back down that left-hand side. But you can see how Bailey gives us an outlet. So we've got Moreno on the left-hand side attacking down the left-hand side. But if we haven't got someone really doing something on that right-hand side, it's a bit one-dimensional and it's quite easy to shut down for the opposition. So yeah, Bailey's coming back from injury. So you can't expect him to be 100% straight out of the blocks. I think he did quite well for his cameo there. We had a huge, huge chance on 72 minutes. Um, it was, I think it was Louise putting, yeah, it was Louise. He put in um, a nice, nice free kick. We had some great, great set pieces in this game. I think one of these days, one of them's going to come off, I think, because we had some nice set pieces. Louise curled a cross in and um, Ming's kind of beat the offside trap and found himself one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, but he kind of side-foots it, the ball's off the ground, he, he side-foots it, but he just, it just goes over the bar. Part of me is like, he should have just gone for a diving header, but it, maybe it was a bit too low, but a huge, huge opportunity, and we, we blew that really, and, and at that point, the game had gone. So there you have it, the three key aspects of this game. Possession football, we're really improving in that aspect. I think it's really good signs for next season. We're keeping the ball, controlling the game, which is most important to Emery. We've got composure at the back that really helps that and um, helps us build from the back and be that team that has possession, is dominant in games. Diego Carlos has come back as well and he's been spraying the ball around like you know, a world-class world player he is, potentially. So, yeah, that would really add to our defence and really add to our capabilities if he comes in and he starts playing well. Toothless in attack, I think, I think, yeah, we just didn't have those clear-cut chances and we didn't look like we had the quality to carve something out of nothing. Like, you see games where you have a world-class player who will carve something out of nothing at times. Maybe Harry Kane, you know, maybe even Rashford or Fernandez. they carve opportunities out of nothing sometimes. And I think in the summer, we need to address this and get someone who is proven world-class quality. Um, but So for the second week in a row, not the result we wanted, but I've highlighted these key aspects that we're improving, we're getting better. And I think Emery knows that with every game, the side is learning and improving. We're nowhere near the finished article, but we're learning lessons this season and it, it's just going to be promising for next season and beyond. I think patience is the key as well. It's been hard not to get carried away with European football this season. I mean, that result against Newcastle, we all thought we were going to push on and start playing amazing football every week, but it didn't quite happen. I think if you think about how long Emery's been at Villa and what's to come, he's not been here very long and he's made massive changes already. So we'd all love European football this season and there's still a chance. So fingers crossed. Let's see what happens in the Spurs game. So we also have amazing positive news with a highly regarded director of football from Barcelona coming in, Matteo Alemani. I think I've said that right. <laughs> he's got a really good reputation, so hopefully he's going to come in and restructure a few things and really improve things behind the scenes in terms of recruitment and all that kind of analysis of players and that kind of stuff as well. So I think him working with Emery, it's a very positive sign there. Two highly thought of managers and a director of football, so... Hopefully this will signal a huge summer for Aston Villa. So despite getting beat in the derby, we have a lot to be excited about going forward.
So that's about all from this episode of the Villa Society podcast. We've got Spurs next up on Saturday at Villa Park. Are we there in the whole end for this one? So I'm really looking forward to that. It's kind of a key game now because if we don't get a result, then European football is off the cards. But if we win, then we've still got a chance. And it'd just be great to beat Spurs as well, I think. To beat them and leapfrog them in the league would be so good. I mean, we're ahead of schedule, I think, on on where we should be with Emery and Aston Villa at this stage. But I think if we can beat Spurs, it'd be very satisfying. If you've got a prediction or opinion, you can send them to me at thevillasociety.com or message me on Twitter, The Villa Society. I think Villa are going to sneak this one 1-0. And I think Watkins is going to get back on the score sheet. So fingers crossed for that. Hope you enjoyed this analysis of the Wolves game and the key, three key aspects that I noticed. Come and say hello on Twitter and give me your opinion. I'll be back after the Wolves game with a match review. But until then, have a great week and up the villa. Up the villa.